0: Margishim kaitz ba'avir. Margishim kaitz
1: ba'avir.
0: Kvar 20 shana. Margishim kaitz Kol Rama. Kol Rama me'oshdaim shelosh. Margishim kaitz ba'avir. Shidur Yisir mi'machaner Rama on this 4th of July, and it is um, really great to be here with you tonight. This is Mitch murnick on Kol FM. We're on Facebook Live. I don't know how you could find us, but if you're on Facebook Live, we're there. Maybe uh, we'll figure that out and let you know, although if you hear this, you probably know that already. Anyway, we are... Uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're here and we have a a great evening we have a special evening tonight and we are here with max silverstone to give us the fourth to share with us the fourth episode episode arba of the history of camp before camp so first of all max <speaking in Hebrew> Machane Rama
1: it's so great to be here Like, we just did three podcasts, you know, in the off-season And I just, I was dying to be in this room And now we are finally in the studio In the Tachana You know, that's it, that's so exactly nice. what
0: I was thinking I mean, you yeah. and I have already shared four uh, This is the fourth podcast But the other three were all on Zoom Yep uh, Due to pandemic precautions And, and yep. thank God we made it here I We mean, made it For our listeners, we have a Camp full of chanichim, Yep. Full of tsevet, I mean the place is hopping, And uh I'm so I'm so happy to uh be here with you. And this year you are on the uh musica. It's yep. a bit musica.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I'm on music but also I'm a part of hofa which means that I get to help out with other Hofa areas including radio.
0: Well it's great so, to have you, really, yeah. really. And um I know you did a lot of work here during uh, Shavuah Hachana, a yeah. lot of work, and you were recognized for that, yeah. rightly so. Thank and you. some of the work—I know you were involved in a million things—and some of the work was pandemic-related. Yes. And um, in fact, that's kind of going to be the first topic we're going to touch upon. But just briefly, uh, tell us. Shavua HaKanah, what special work did you have to do specifically uh, for these days?
1: Um, So actually, I got here a few weeks before Shavua Hakana Staff Week. I was here for preseason with Seth Adelsberg, Rosh Alagovo, and a few other people. Um, And we had some kitchen staff coming in from Mexico and Dominican Republic, and they weren't able to get vaccinated there. They were going to get vaccinated here. So uh, camp was trying to figure out how to get them vaccinated, and I, I gave them the idea that when they all land at the airport at JFK, we can just go to a mass vaccination site and like, you know, they can process 20 people in like under an hour just in and out. So, I met them at the airport. We got on the JTR bus. We went to York College, 15 minutes from the airport, less than an hour. We got 15 people their Johnson and Johnson shot and then we came up to camp.
0: Wow, Colacov, that is really uh, was a good idea and quite amazing. Yeah. So they were mainly from Mexico, is that what you
1: said? Yeah, mainly Mexic- Mexico. We also have a few people from Argentina, Dominican Republic and Colombia.
0: And what were their what well, they're young, right? You're- yeah,
1: I I think they're about like maybe age range of like 18 to 24. Um I know Johnson and Johnson hasn't been approved for below 18 and we didn't have any issues like there wasn't anyone below 18, so At at least eighteen, if not older.
0: Were those staff members generally happy to be able to get
1: that? Oh yeah, they were very excited, and it's nice because, like, because I was on the bus with them. Now I know all the kitchen staffs. Like, I'll walk into the Khadar and they'll be like, "Hey, Max," and I'll be like, "What? What's up, Eddie or Marco or Julio or whoever, whoever I see." So,
0: you know, we think of this time with pandemic, and and things are a little different in camp this year. I don't want to spend much time talking about that at all because that's for other podcasts. You know. Uh, there are masks. There aren't masks indoors, outdoors. It all depends. Yeah. But this was not the first pandemic or issue or epidemic of nope. a serious nature here on these grounds in Wingdale. True. Uh, why don't you tell us, uh, give us the, a little background, and tell us about the prior very, very scary yeah. episodes that happened decades ago
1: sure so yeah uh camp ramah has never had an issue uh like like covid uh before covid happened but uh Kiwa, one of the camps i was here before uh in 1949 there was a big polio outbreak at camp so i'm gonna read part of an article and then i can tell another story that i heard from an alum who is 93 years old so this story it says uh on a sweltering August morning in 1944, it's actually 1949, I think he got that wrong. I sat outside the door of Camp Kiowakhee's infirmary. It's actually the same infirmary that we have in camp today. I remember the rough wooden bench, the buzzing of horse flies, and above all the excruciating headache and fever that had brought me there. Hours later, my uncle Dick arrived to put me in his car and take me home. On the way, I asked, on the way, I asked what was happening. Well, there's a polio epidemic, he said, and the camp is closing. So, What I heard from another alum, in 1949, they invited another camp over for a basketball game and everyone was there, they were all gathered at the game, and a few days later, a bunch of people started feeling sick. Unfortunately, there was a big polio outbreak in the camp, and the uh, guy, guy who I, I hadn't talked to him, but his uh, daughter sent me, like, a, a, a voice memo that he said. He said that he was one of the first people to get sick with polio, and for a year, he, like, wasn't able to go to school because he had polio. He was not paralyzed from it, luckily, but he, he did get kind of, like, he has suffered ill effects from it because it, it has, you know, it has done ill effects to, to many children of that time. Um, so, yeah, there was a polio outbreak in 1949. And even though we were sad to cancel camp last, last kites because because of COVID, you know, it's much better than, you know, having an outbreak in camp that could really, really make people sick.
0: Interesting history. Yeah. You, you I know you you have really the makings of, of the book that I'm sure will come out of this. Yeah. And, and you've been showing me such interesting uh, illustrations and pictures, what what uh, what else do you want to share with
1: us? Um, so I love this story because I can literally look at the place where it happened. So this story isn't actually in our camp, it's across the lake, uh, where like that pagoda is by the sun deck. Um, in the 1930s that camp opened, it was an interracial communist camp called Camp Unity. It also had a few other names, uh, Camp Webatuck, Camp Abelard, uh, Berkshire Lodge, Camp Utopia. Um, say so it, it was an interracial communist camp um, and actually Pete Seeger's sister was a counselor there so Pete Seeger would, gi- would give concerts and uh, I, I heard actually that there were July 4th concerts, he'd give July 4th concerts there every year and I heard from some Kiwa alumni and from some Ramah alumni, because um, this was like during the 60s, that um, people would just like gather on the sun deck here at camp and they would listen to the music across the um, Uh but an, an unfortunate piece of history for this camp In 1966, two journalists went undercover at the camp at Unity, and they wrote up this huge exposé, they published it in the New York Daily News newspaper, and it was like a front cover story. It said, Young Reds bud in Upstate Valley, deep in the front of New York State's Harlem Valley, about 80 miles north of New York City, the communist part of the USA is running a training camp. Now, from what I've researched, I don't know if it was actually a communist camp, like I think they had leftist views, I'm not sure what the extent of their views are. were, um, but really the, 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 the real interesting part of the story, so that was September of 1966, that, that expose came out in November of 1906. 1966, uh said... Members of the ultra-right-wing Minutemen organization supplied with information by a retired state trooper mined a left-wing camp in upstate New York, but the homemade bombs failed to explode, Queens County District Attorney Nat H. Hentel said today. State police found nine crude firebombs in the buildings at Camp Unity in Wingdale, New York, last Sunday following the arrest of 19 Minutemen and seizure of a huge arsenal of weapons. All the bombs, half-filled gallon jugs of gasoline armed with primitive timing devices had been set to go off in two hours, but failed to explode. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that nothing got destroyed and nothing exploded, but that's, that's a crazy story. Um, you know, like, that's scary, and a- after that happened, uh, the people at Camp Unity, they moved up to uh, Hunter, New York, and they renamed to the- themselves to Camp Abelard, because they wanted to, like, you know, like, a- avoid attention. Um, and then actually, just a small piece of history after that, uh, for the next 15 years, there was a new camp on the site called Ellis Woods, and then after that, some developers bought it, and they planned to build 500 condos there and luckily that never happened i I, I can't imagine what it would be like if there were you know 500 apartments across the lake from us it it wouldn't be so quaint and 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 nice that really would be uh
0: kind of uh unfortunate we happen to have a view of this lake as you alluded to from our station here and the lake is just gorgeous we were just commenting on the beautiful sunset and um yeah, that is something interesting. I wonder what's on that land now. Do
1: you um, know? There's just a guy who lives there. Um, I was talking to Jason Smalley. He's the head of uh, facilities here, um, and he said like he knows him. He's just like a neighbor. Um, but yeah, like most of the camp buildings are gone. Like you can look at it on Google Maps, and it's mostly just trees now. But I, I have a postcard from that camp with the tennis courts, and I can and I can find those same tennis courts on Google Maps, which is kind of fun. So.
0: so it's interesting. I don't know if we mentioned it, but this is July Fourth. This is yep. the Fourth of July here. It is at, at uh, Camp Ramah, Camp in Ramah, Berkshire's, and so it's interesting to speak about what happened in the Fourth, the Fourth of July, so many, so many decades ago. Um, the other thing that strikes me is what goes around comes around. Uh, here there are. know all the political uh issues which we're definitely not going to get into but left (laughs) free left right violence and here uh just kind of uh Deja vu all over again yeah. with that and the pandemic, yeah. polio.
1: I think, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've been, like, researching all this history, and I have some more, like, kind of political-related stuff to talk about. And, like, I don't have, like, an opinion on any of, like, this history in terms of its politics. I just find it all fascinating. It's just really interesting history. Like, I think no matter where you fall, like, it's just it's just cool to know and, and to hear about. Good,
0: good. So, where else... Uh we go Um, from here? So
1: I guess uh, if if we're going to continue with, like, kind of politics and and Americana. um, So uh, this is also another story of a place that's not in camp but is near camp. So on Berkshire Road, there used to be a big marble quarry. It was called the South Dover Marble Quarry. It opened up in the early 1800s, and it uh, was open for about 100 years until the Great Depression when it closed. Um, And there's some pretty famous marble has come from this quarry every civil war tombstone in arlington cemetery is made out of marble from the quarry the tiffany building in midtown manhattan is made out of marble from that quarry the inside of the new york stock exchange is made out of marble from that quarry the uh municipal building in washington dc is made out of marble from that quarry part of the u.s capitol building is made out of made out of marble from that quarry so just like you know it it was a An incredibly famous quarry And then actually If you've listened to some other podcasts You might remember Linton Weil A guy who I talked about He was a son of Joseph Weil The founder of Camp In the 50s, 60s, 70s Linton owned the quarry At that point It didn't uh, produce marble anymore It was used for uh, magnesium and limestone Um, But also if you remember From a previous podcast The uh, Rio Bamba Nightclub Linton Weil used some of the money From that quarry Along with some of the money From Camp To to open up the, the, the nightclub
0: well, yeah, and and I would really refer people to those prior podcasts, which are on kolrama.us. uh Fascinating stories with the real Bamba, yeah. and uh, and and its interesting uh, past, in, including uh, real celebrities, Frank Sinatra yeah. and so on. But we're not going to go there. I just wanted to yeah. tease our listeners.
1: Yeah, to, we definitely to don't want to spoil it. it. <laughs>
0: All right. So we covered a a number of of things here in the ongoing uh, history of camp before camp. What else have we got?
1: Um, So I guess there's not really anything more American than the sport of football. So I guess another thing that I've talked about in some previous podcasts is that from the years of 1945 to 1952, camp was owned by Sid Luckman, the greatest Jewish football player of all time. He was a guy from Brooklyn. Um so the Wingdale Country Club it was they'd have like a lot of pro athletes who worked there and who stayed there and they'd have some Broadway stars who worked there and stayed there. Um, and I found a bunch of different advertisements from the vacation section of the New York Times from like the 40s and the 50s and a bunch of these advertisements talk about like stay for July 4th weekend or it says like get. It's, it would say, like, Gala, July 4th weekend, or, um, like, Enjoy Your Stay the Wingdale Way, like, Fireworks over Lake Ellis. Um, I have some of it printed out, but actually some of it's on my phone. Uh, yeah, Gala, July 4th weekend, private golf course, private lake for swimming and boating, sun deck overlooking White Sand Beach, all sports, horseback riding, night basketball and outdoor stadium, top Broadway entertainment, dance to Roomba and American music. Now, if there was a place that I was going to spend July Fourth weekend, I'd think I'd go to the Wingdale Country Club. It it seems pretty cool. Hang out with pro athletes, fireworks, Broadway music.
0: Yes, and here we are.
1: Yeah, and the Wingdale
0: Country Club.
1: facilities. I I, I guess this is the second best thing. If if we can't hang out with Sid Luckman, uh, I guess guess I'll hang out with you. You're you're from Brooklyn, right?
0: You know, I'm from Brooklyn, and you had shown me um, Sid Luckman's home in Brooklyn on Clotelia Road, and it must have been it's black and white picture from the '40s. It looks like the, the same as those homes on Cotelia yeah. Road. Yeah, you know my uh, right now.
1: Yeah, my 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 grandfather he actually grew up like in that same neighborhood in like Midwood and Flatbush, and his synagogue Kessar Torah. Sid Luckman actually went there, um, so he told me that he would see like you know like a, like a donor plaque or like stained glass or something that like had his name on it because he donated money to the synagogue. Isn't that
0: something? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, great. Good. So, uh, you've taken us uh, through outbreaks and through uh, Camp Unity, uh, militia, (laughs) right-wing militia, and uh, football, so uh, where does that leave us?
1: Um, I guess there's one thing uh, more to talk about. Um, I I had mentioned it on a previous podcast, but I feel like it should definitely get a shout-out as well for the July 4th podcast. Um, So this piece of history, I actually taught it uh, to some of the uh, Mahon and Gesher campers. Those are the two oldest ages in camp, and they were just absolutely shocked by it. So during World War I, uh, Joseph Weil turned this camp, the Pine Forest Colony, into the Pine Forest Military Academy. And it was advertised in the newspaper as the first and only military academy for Jewish boys in the United States, located on Lake Ellis in the beautiful Berkshire Hills on a private estate of 200 acres, including a large farm. Two-hour trip from New York. And then it lists things that I feel like, you know, still exist today. Beautiful location, individual supervision, daily military drill. I think we should bring that back. Modern equipment, scientific physical training, high standard of scholarship, and daily study of Hebrew and Jewish history.
0: Well, you know, that is amazing. A military academy. So, I know we've spoken about it a little. So, what years are you
1: talking about? Uh, so, this was during World War One. So like whoa, 1914 whoa, whoa, 19 whoa, whoa. I actually I think that this wow. ad that I just read was in the New York Times in either 1916 or 1917.
0: That's that's a that's remarkable. That's yeah. a remarkable piece of of history.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, would be interesting and the, and according to the ad there there wasn't a, that was a unique thing yeah military academy yeah jewish military academy yeah.
1: there, there was another ad that said that they had sleighing and skating because like this place is open year-round so people would like the lake would freeze over people would go ice skating on it or i don't know i'm not sure when they went sledding but i can just imagine like where the amphitheater is now people like sledding down so that that was also like a, a part of the military academy it's, it's in one of the other uh, one of the other advertisements
0: you know i i'd be interested to learn more about that in other words what a military academy this is to where you have young young kids who are too young still too young to enlist or too young for the draft but you're you're looking to uh ready them for the draft uh, I, I guess so yeah
1: i guess so yeah i it's guess also foreign. It's yeah, yeah, foreign yeah 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 concept uh, yeah a another part of the ad that i didn't read it said two departments lower school elementary score, course ages 8 to 14 and upper school high school course ages 14 to 18 wow cuz yeah i guess something um also to remember at this camp I, I think i mentioned in the first podcast is that the camp was originally called the college Camp and it was the high school it was a summer program for the Harlem Preparatory School in New York, in New York City and Joseph Lyle, who was the headmaster, he like brought the kids from the school over here for the summer and they'd like do learning in addition to you know enjoying the great outdoors. And what
0: we've mentioned in the past is that what's interesting is that there's a Jewish traditional thread throughout all these decades for a hundred years or over in all the incarnations of this acreage here Always Jewish thread. Yeah, like adults for children. Yeah,
1: like like at the Pine Forest Colony, like we had Irving Reichert, a a rabbinical student at Hebrew Union College, who would run Shabbat services here. Or at the Wingdale Country Club, like you know, it was owned by a Jewish guy, Sid Luckman. There was an advertise. There was an advertisement: reserved now for high holidays. Like I'd love to spend the high holidays here in Wingdale. Honestly, I think camp should do that now, because you know, like most synagogues will have like you know a thousand people just packed tight in a room and you know now COVID I'm not sure how, much, how many more people will be comfortable so what if we just come to the outdoors instead and do, do you know Rosh Hashanah and Kol Nidre in the amphitheater
0: sounds like a plan to yeah. me yeah uh,
1: great
0: great, great. Max, thank you. What else? Any that's that sums uh, it up for I today. Think, yeah,
1: I, th- I think that sums it up for today.
0: Well, you know, first of all, it's very it's very interesting, and it's wonderful to hear you are doing this research. And and again, didn't mention it. Max is currently a. Uh, second third year student uh,
1: yeah I, I just finished my second year
0: third year student up yeah. at uh, JTS HL Miller Cantoral School yeah. yep so that's wonderful and we did mention you're on the music staff here which makes yeah. sense yep
1: <laughs> and there's actually uh, two other Cantoral students on music staff now too who are they uh Josh Ehrlich and Gadalia Penner-Robinson Plus, we had, you know, in the past, Jacob Milk Sandler, who just graduated from cantorial school and now he's working in Chicago.
0: Well, it, it really goes to show you how Colver Mock, because all these people have been on Colver Mock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Jacob Milk Sandler produces great cantors, I yep. guess.
1: <laughs> there you
0: go. Uh, hoping to get Josh Ehrlich later on in the summer and to discuss his recent publication on. Oh, uh, yes, the
1: Torah.
0: Uh, but uh, all the. Uh, original cantoral pieces of all the weekly uh uh, pasha so yeah that'll be amazing but in any case uh max thanks thanks for sharing this it's important work and uh, i look forward to how it develops and where it goes and it's always fascinating to hear from you and it Mm -hmm. is really a great pleasure to be in the same room as you
1: yeah, seriously yeah I know thank you so much for having me it's I, I love talking about this stuff like my roommates they hear me talk about it all the time they're like can you please stop but I finally got into camp where I found new people to to talk to about this plus I actually get to do it in the studio with you
0: thank you Max so you're listening to Ko FM, and we have a great week coming up so you should really just stay tuned on Kooramad.us. We've uh, we'll have all, all the campus shows really starting in earnest this coming week. Uh, again, in, interesting uh, interviews. We we had Chaverim today. You can see them up on our podcast section, Kooramad.us. And just a uh, little uh, advanced warning: we are having our our annual 4th of July concert on yeah. July 11th. Woo! Woo, woo! And we'll be yeah. broadcasting that live. Yep only on Radio Colrima.
1: Yeah, I actually have a rehearsal for that right after this. The reason why we're not doing it on July 4th is because camp just started and we have not had time to rehearse yet. So I'd much rather it be a week later and very well rehearsed than right now when we're not ready at all.
0: Well, it's going to be great. <laughs> going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Max Silverstone, thanks for joining us in the studio
1: Radio Rama. Thank you so much, Mitch. Margishim kaitz Margishim
0: kaitz Margishim
1: Kol rama. Kol rama